the year was 1990X. A pair of high school freshmen, separated by distance and time, embarked on a journey that would take them beyond the apocalypse. Fomenting a rebellion in game rooms, backyards, and garages, they struck many blows against the looming threat of the Coalition and popularity. One, a noble cyberknight named mockingly after a murderer of the past, who would choose a race based solely on which had the highest physical strength role. The other, a power-hungry youth who left his homestead to dig his fortune out of forgotten geocities, braving the angel fire to discover atop a tripod a web ring of power. Together, though they never actually met, these two sought adventures across the mighty world of Palladium Games Rifts. A cesspool of antiquated design, power mullets, and probably laser chainsaws. This is their story. supposed to be fading the song out right here but i'm not gonna yeah no don't uh, never do that no we're talking over this is this is rad oh that is straight up the best thing i have heard today i i, I would listen to this unironically even if we were not making some sort of post-apocalypse sci-fi thing oh yeah no i would put that on in the background while i'm doing anything yeah no problem i'm gonna go do the dishes later to this song just on repeat <laughs> it makes anything you do sound way better oh my god oh you know what? I, I just figured out. I hate doing the dishes, right? Because like the sink is slightly too low, so it hurts my back when I'm like trying to do the dishes. Oh, I'm tried, sorry, Grandpa. I know. Well, I think it's just the history of why men hate doing the dishes is actually rooted in being sexist against women. Like, the kitchens are designed so that all the counters are at comfortable woman height. And they've been that way since like the, the late 40s. And that's why men don't like to go in there and do shit, because it hurts their backs, because they're too tall for everything in there. Yeah, that's true. It, that's actually true. No, I'm not. I'm not making this up. Yeah, it's this is just dumb bullshit rooted in 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 antiquity, and yet we still deal with it. But I've tried things like taking my shoes off to lose that extra inch, but I, and that doesn't help. I tried washing dishes while doing like a sort of half splits just so I'm lower, and that almost helps. But I think what'll finally get it is if I put on an eye patch and I listen to this music. Yeah, that would definitely happen. Yeah, just just one eye patch, maybe two eye patches. Maybe. How much do you really need to see to do the dishes? Oh, I didn't. You don't have to have them cover your eyes. You could just have two eye patches on you. Oh, fair enough. Two eye patches flipped up. <laughs> two eye patches covering my ears. Two eye patches, but they're both see through eye patches. They're just glass lenses that I put tape and rubber bands on. Yeah, I just poked <laughs> the uh, the plastic out of two shitty pairs of sunglasses I got from a claw machine. <laughs> yeah. So, okay, John. Oh, by the way, that's John. I'm Jeff. This is System Mastery, the podcast where we review old role-playing games. Yay! Now you know. I bet you weren't <laughs> listening to us beforehand and were like, hey, what What are these guys all about? This is probably someone's first episode. Every episode is someone's first episode. <laughs> and right now they're like, what the shit was that? Was that, was that the soundtrack to Assault on Precinct 13? No one ever thinks that. <laughs> Man, I love Assault on Precinct 13, and I wouldn't think that. I love Assault on Precinct 13, too. Normally, oh, I wouldn't even like a movie like that, but I love that movie. It's great. It's awesome. I mean, it was done for like $400. You know, none of the actors are recognizable in any way. No. And uh, it, the music is obviously just John Carpenter messing around with like a, like a Moog. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, you watch that. You have the his first one, Dark Star. Oh, yeah. Absolutely amazing. Yeah, but uh, something about Assault on Precinct 13 really sells me, and it's the stylization. The fact that the gang members only speak in like that first scene, and then they never talk again. Yeah. And uh, it, it turns them into like, these weird villains that are sort of faceless, even though they're basically kids. Like, faceless, terrifying entity of a villain in that movie, which I, I swear they probably just did because it was cheaper than paying them to talk. Well, the whole thing is very much an homage to the old westerns, yeah. except they're doing it more modern day, and it's it's a really good blend of the genres. Yeah. I mean, if the movie hadn't come out in like 1976 or whenever it did, I would, I would guess that it was probably an homage to zombie movies, huh. but it's before all of the really big zombie movies. No, it's all very much western. Yeah. In the same way that you would have, say, the Native Americans in any given western movie, they didn't have dialogue in them. They would just be like, oh, what are you? You're a constant weird threat. 
So uh, anyway, System Mastery is a podcast where every other week we get together and discuss old John Carpenter movies. Yeah. The ones that people don't constantly talk about. So not Halloween or The Thing, but Dark Star. Dark Star, Assault on Precinct 13, and... Uh, John Carpenter's Christine. Vampires, Christine, <laughs> Ghosts of Mars, which no one should talk about. I've seen both of those. <laughs> Although I, I really like John Carpenter's Vampires, but that's because I would watch James Woods do anything. Also, yes. I mean, I love Car- uh, John Carpenter basically anything. Yeah. Like, Ghosts of Mars, was it was pretty rough, but I'm I'm still on Team Carpenter. Right. What what would you say is the best John Carpenter movie? Because there's, there's a big debate between that. A lot of people say Halloween, and I know you won't say Halloween. I know no. you'll say The Thing. It's going to be The Thing because it is a much better movie. Halloween is... A very influential movie. Yeah, it's very influential. It definitely got the whole slasher genre going and presented a lot of the conceits that you see in slasher films. That was where it sort of originated. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, it just doesn't hang together as well. No, but the craft on the thing really, really does. Like, to this day, the blood testing scene still scares the crap out of me every time. Well, it's still a movie that doesn't matter what you're doing when you're watching it. It is a movie that is made with paranoia in mind. And you, when you watch it, you get that claustrophobic feeling. Whereas yeah. Halloween, once you've seen any slasher film, if you then go back and watch Halloween, you're like... Okay, yeah. Yeah, that's true. I, you got me there. In fact, I would go ahead and put it on a list, a weird list of films, which is the list of films that, if they're on on TV, I have to sit down and watch it. It's a list that includes, like, The Shawshank Redemption. Like, if The Shawshank Redemption's on TV, I don't care when I came in, I'm going to sit down and watch the rest of it. Oh, yeah. For me, definitely Breakfast Club. Yeah. If Bre- Breakfast Club is playing on TBS, which it is currently, I, I'm not watching TV, but I know it is. Yeah, and not only that, but we're recording this for future posterity, but don't worry, it's on. Yeah. It's either that or reruns of Mike and Molly. I don't care when you're listening to this podcast, it is on either TNT or TBS right now. Yep, that, that is true, but you have to sit down and watch it, don't you? Yeah. Yeah, I'm that way for... There's only a few movies that are like that for me. I think another one is the first Jurassic Park. <laughs> no matter when I come to it, I don't matter... This is the other thing. It doesn't matter how heavily edited for television it is. Wow. Yeah, I'll sit down and watch the rest of it. I'll be like, oh, man, look at that. That lawyer's going to get eaten. Oh, I don't get to see it? Oh, okay. Oh, well. well, that's too bad. Anyway, I'm going to watch the rest of this. I guarantee... Even if it was just the two kids talking about hacking and baseball, because <laughs> that's the only part that they couldn't... They had to... They weren't allowed to not edit away... I would still watch it. I'd be okay. like, yeah, okay, Lex, you tell me all about how you recognize this Unix operating system. I get it. It's fine. I, I, I will watch this so many times. And that one, I think, <laughs> is probably on the strength of Jeff Goldblum. Oh, 100%. Everything is on the shoulders of Jeff Goldblum. Did you hear he got cast as the fucking Grandmaster in the Thor movies? The, I'm the so one? excited for that. You have no idea. Oh, my God. Anyway, do you think we should talk about Rifts? No. I mean, no one cares about Rifts. This isn't a game that anyone has any sort of investment in. And, and our fans who have been listening to us do 70-plus episodes up until now know that Rifts is one of the major touchstones in both of our development as gamers. It was the first game that both of us ever played. Yeah, but nah, that's fine. It's, Let's keep talking about Jeff Goldblum Jeff for a Goldblum while. and John Carpenter. So, <laughs> Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Am I right? Amazing. Oh my god, the fly? <laughs> you know what? I watched that fucking CGI talking dogs and cats movie. Remember that, the cats versus dogs or whatever yeah. it was? That had Jeff Goldblum as the random dad that owned the dog that was the secret agent. Sweet. And I was like, I'm watching this because Jeff Goldblum's in this. Yeah. I'll sit down and watch this boring CGI fight movie because Jeff Goldblum's here. I will watch at least four seasons of Glee because he is the dad on that show. I know. Yeah, I, I will go and watch that sequel to Independence Day. And people <laughs> are all worried about how Will Smith's not in it. I don't give a shit if Will Smith's in the movie or not. He can only play one role anyway. <laughs> but but it, but Independence Day had Jeff Goldblum in it. If they get him back, I'm back. Yeah. That's all you need. Well, I also really want Harvey Firestein back. Yeah, unfortunately. He, oh, he is back. Really? Yeah, he's back. There, there's a shot of him in the trailer. He's on a boat, motherfucker. Wow. That's <laughs> Check him crazy. out. Yeah. <laughs> well, now I'm on board. I, you weren't until now. No, I wasn't. I was not on board, but now I am. Yeah, let's see. You need uh, the president's wife. I would watch it for her. <laughs> but unfortunately she does die in the first one yeah what although I mean that is brent spiner he's back that his death in the first movie did not stop his return <laughs> didn't stick 
Yeah, it didn't keep. <laughs> Turned out there was just another one. This one's the, the actor who played Lore and not the actor who played Data. Ha. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay, but Rifts, though. Okay, fine. <laughs> Rifts is a Palladium Games book written by Kevin Symbieta and a host of his friends. Mostly now, Kevin Symbieta. Now, if you've listened to our very first episode... Heroes Unlimited? Yep. We did go into the actual system and character creation, which for pretty much every Palladium game is basically the same. Yes, yeah. Uh, there's an interesting thing going on with uh, Palladium games, which is that Kevin Symbieta, or I'm sorry, just the company there, abhors making additional changes, like edition changes. So Rifts is still technically in its first edition after being available for like 33 years now. Oh, no. Uh, it's... One of those things where you hear a lot that Kevin loves his series of mm-hmm. books. Yes. He loves his system. And if you were to go, hey, man, why don't you put out a new edition of this? Why don't you do something new with Rifts? He's like, it doesn't need it. It's, it's already fine. set up. It's, yeah. it's already what it needed to be. Yeah, it is perfect for what it needs to be. Right. Now, I know people are going to send in emails now and tell me that there are a couple of Palladium games out there that have second editions, notably Heroes Unlimited and Palladium Fantasy Role-Playing. Look, I know already. I just said them. It's fine. Heroes Unlimited second edition is not a real second edition. All it did was add the Mega Hero and change some of the roles and numbers. In the same way that Rift's Ultimate Edition just added in a new uh, class that you could be and tweaked some numbers. Well, yeah, it set it further in the future of the Rift's. And it, uh, it added a couple of things, changed some numbers around. And then Palladium Fantasy 2nd Edition is just because Palladium Fantasy was written before Rifts, and so they needed to adjust the rules to look more like Rifts. There you go. <laughs> so, quick rundown of that. You roll 3d6 for your stats. Yep, down the line, 3d6 for your stats. The stats in question are IQ, ME, MA, PS, PB, PP, and Speed. <laughs> I played a lot of Rifts. I don't know if you knew that. Yeah, and for anyone who doesn't know what any of that stands for... IQ is IQ. In this game, you actually roll your IQ and then multiply it by 10 to determine what your actual IQ is. Yes. Um, And so, it should have just been intelligence because it's a little creepy when you roll an IQ of 70 and you're like, let's go on an adventure! (laughs) Yay! Uh, ME is mental endurance. It's your ability to resist torture... Uh, and pain and so on. As well as... Uh, psychic resistance? Psychic, yeah. I think, resistance. Your mental affinity, or MA, mm-hmm. is how likable you are. And the only thing it does is gives you a role for charm or impress. Yes. And since very few uh, mental stats affect anything in this game, IQ gives you a flat percentage bonus to your various skills, but ME and MA don't really do much. ME can be used to determine your, like, PPE, which is your magic points, or your ISP, which is your psychic points. Well, yeah, the weird thing is MA, which is your mental affinity, and PB, your physical beauty, in the book itself, all they do is give you two percentile rolls. Yes. And mental affinity gives you an impress roll or Mm -hmm. an intimidate roll. Yeah. And then physical beauty gives you a charm roll. Yeah, charm slash seduce roll. But the weird thing is the roll is slightly better for mental affinity, so you have a slightly higher percentage chance uh, on your value to actually charm or impress. And then the physical beauty one is, like, the role is still the same, but it doesn't explain the role anywhere. No, it All doesn't. All it says is charm and impre- charm seduce. You get seduce. charm impress yeah. or charm seduce or impress intimidate. Yes. But it never goes into what that means. Nope. Sure or doesn't. if there's a way you can increase that. Or resist it or how it works with... Because one of the other things about this book that's always fascinated me is that this role of physical beauty fluctuates based on whatever race you're playing. So, for example, if you're playing as a human, you have 3d6. But if you're playing as, like, a broadkill, which is a big psychic-y sort of lumpy green orc monster, then you have a 2d4 plus 1 for your PB. Does that mean that broadkill find other broadkill ugly and they find humans hot? I, Who knows? It seems to be that there's a universal standard of beauty because your charm seduce role doesn't have anything to do with the relative race that you're trying to hook up with. If you're trying to seduce just some frog you just found, like just some actual frog, your role <laughs> is still the same. An actual frog. Yeah. Just some... I know I know. What, as a kid, I would go down to the local crick and I would go up to the frogs and I'd be like, hey, how you doing? Yeah. Me, I always got stuck with crawfish. <laughs> So, 
the uh, let's see what else did we not cover? Oh yes, physical strength. So PS, you know what that one is? It has a bonus to damage from melee attacks. Physical endurance, which is just a bonus to your SDC hit points it, and your ability to resist dying, because there's a roll for coma slash death. Yes, uh, physical endurance also determines what your hit points are, because there are two types of uh, hit points in this game. Technically three, because we're in a Mega damage system. That's right. Get Which ready for that. We'll get ready. We'll get into that later. But, but for now, there are hit points. Yeah. And then there are structural damage capacity or SDC. And then you also get your PP, which is physical prowess, or this game's dexterity, or the best stat and only stat you need to worry about. Yeah, unless you're playing a wizard or something physical. And even then, most of the time. No, literally, it's the only stat that actually matters because. While your like magic points or psychic points, whatever, can be determined by your stat, it'll be like, oh, I have, you know, twelve extra points instead of fourteen extra points. But with the physical prowess, it's a difference between getting a bonus to your defenses, and there's no real other way to do that. Yeah, well, there's plenty of. Other I ways. mean, <laughs> skills. Let's let's get it. There's tons of other ways to get that bonus. Well, it's all okay. Whatever. I'm gonna get into that when we get we'll, to that we'll get, section. We'll get there. Don't don't even worry about it. Don't worry your pretty little head. And then there's speed, and speed is just your speed stat, and it can be directly translated into miles per hour. There's a big old complicated chart you can check to see what your speed translates into. In well, miles yeah, per hour. you you multiply your score, and that gives you your meters per hour, and then you can take your meters and figure out your miles. And yeah, they have a chart. It's a big old squared off chart. That says things like, is your speed 610? You can go at Mach 2. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, so those are the basic stats of the game. You have There are nine of them for no reason, because at least right off the bat, we can eliminate two as doing anything, and then you can roll several others into each other to generate useful stats out of them. So, so yeah. So now the big thing with this is, again, if you had listened to our other episode, you'll know that this also keeps the exploding stat. So oh, yeah. If you roll a 16, 17, or 18 on your 3d6, you now get to roll an additional d6 and add it to your total. Mm -hmm. Now, if you roll a 6 for that, you get to roll again, and then again... No, it stops at that. The the, the uh, highest... No, it's, sorry, it's it is 30. one more time. It's 30. Yeah. 30 is the absolute maximum for a human in any given stat. And the actual maximum for any any race that isn't rolling 3d6 is the total of whatever their max was from their base roll plus 18. Yeah. So you can get up to, you know, if your class rolls 4d6 for stats, then 36 becomes your max strength. Yeah. So you get those explosions there, which means that I, I don't ever think I saw in some races where it goes, okay, you've got a 2d4 for some stat. Can you explode with those? Yes. Like, if I roll a 7 on 2d4, do I explode? Yes, you do. There's house rules for it in a lot of people's games, and I believe it's in one of the Rifter supplements or something. But in the core book, no. Yeah. But then again, in the core book, you, there's no class that's rolling a l lower than a 3d6 for anything. So you don't even need to worry about it. Oh, there's a dragon. Yeah, I don't think any of the dragons are rolling 2d6s on anything. <laughs> I think they're just better than humans in every way. In every single conceivable way. Yes. So... Let's move on. Let's go past stats and into the next set of things on your on your character sheet. Well, the, the alignment system. You want to do that? No, the the SDC and HP. I really wanted to sure to talk about for a second because the way it introduces mega damage in this system. Mm -hmm. Heroes Unlimited just had your SDC and HP, mm -hmm. which even in that system was kind of dumb. Yeah, because you had. As we had mentioned before, doors that would take a direct blast from a nuke and not fall down. Yeah, because the average door had like 90 HP. and I'm oh, sorry, 90 SDC. Doors don't even have HP. HP in this game is your life force. SDC is your meat. It's your the meat damage you can take. So if you've ever been in that long rambling argument with a D&D &D player about uh, whether HP in that game represents meat or like the amount of uh, fatigue you can take before you collapse or whatever, this game codifies it. One of them is meat, and the other one is life force. Yeah. Uh, hit points will almost never come up in a game of Rifts, though. No, because here's the weird thing. We have mega damage in this, mm -hmm. and it is essentially 100 SDC is one mega damage. However, 
The SDC to Mega Damage conversion makes it so that you have to be dealing Mega Damage to hurt Mega Damage. Yes, although there is a there is an optional rule in the book for if you want to unload on something with like, oh, these missiles do 46 times 100 SDC. Okay, fine. They do 46 MD. Yeah. So there is a convert. I mean, it's a really easy conversion chart, but it, it's uh, supposed to be only if something does a ridiculous amount of SDC would you bother converting. If you shoot a, it, yeah, it, but it doesn't let you roll over. Yes. So if I shoot a gun and it does fifty SDC, and then I shoot it again and it does fifty, that doesn't roll over to one mega damage. It just pings off and, and does nothing. And the example they've been using since the eighties for the Rift supplement is: imagine a kid with a baseball bat trying to take apart a tank. Yeah, like. He can hit that tank as many times as he wants all day long with that baseball bat, and nothing is going to happen. It will never roll over to the point where he hit it enough with that bat. Yeah. So, the weird thing about this is, one, most things in this game do mega damage. Yeah. Uh, So, most of the things that are going to hit you are doing hundreds of SDC worth of damage, Mm -hmm. and a normal human is going to run around with, like, Maybe if you've got a lot, like, oh, I've got fucking, like, 80 SDC. Yeah, and and maybe 26 to 35 hit points. Ooh, man, I'm real tough, which means the lowest mega damage weapon of, like, I've got a vibro knife and it does a D6. Okay, you're dead. Yeah. Like, you get stabbed once and explode, which is hilarious because the vibro knife is supposed to be going through these super tough materials because... It vibrates at some frequency that it can go through those. Mm-hmm. But that just means if I get stuck in the leg with a vibro knife, then my entire body just disintegrates. Even if you have more than 100 SDC, you just disintegrate. And the reason for that is that mega damage is supposed to overwhelm SDC materials and blow them apart. So you're not supposed to survive these things. There's even the, uh, the, the vibro scalpel in the game is one of the weapons you can get. And it's a tool for like body fixers and cyber docs and so on, which are the, uh, the medics of this game. It does one MD. You don't roll it, it just does one. Yep. And it used to be one of my favorite things to do when we were playing coalition games, is to own one of those, just use it to pop dudes who weren't wearing armor. <laughs> walk up behind them, nerd, and they just blow up. <laughs> yeah. And it's great because he also copy-pastes the coma death rules and the hit point rules. So four pages, I think, in the main book are taken up with the concept of, oh, well... How much healing time is there? And oh, if you take hit point damage and you go to below zero, but not lower than your physical endurance, you're in a coma. And then you have to roll to see if you get up from the coma. Mm -hmm. And here's a bunch of charts to see if when you wake up from the coma, if you've got a lingering injury and all of this shit. And it goes on for pages. Right. And it will never matter. See, I always felt when I first read the rest books, my first thought was always, Okay, he wanted a game where you could play and not worry about the MDC rules. Like, you could play as a guy with a machine gun stalking the, st- the streets of Chi-Town, which is the arcology bubble that Chicago has turned into in the distant future of, of the Rift's world. Uh, you, could, you could just be like, I'm a city rat. I live in the burbs of this giant town, and I, I have a pistol, and I don't wear armor because screw that, and I shoot other dudes who don't wear armor, and it's a gang life. And we know there's monsters out there, but we never fight them. Um, I think he wanted that when he first wrote Rift, just Rifts. But by the time he got around to even any other supplement to it, he knew which way that die had fallen. Everyone only cared about mega damage and fighting his robots and monsters. And so he was like, all right, from this day forward, it's all robots and monsters, but I have to keep these rules in here because I will never change a word. Yeah. And the, the problem with that and what really tips it over to the everything is mega damage, everything is lethal if you aren't wearing mega damage armor, you are instantly dead, Mm -hmm. is there are a ton of classes in this book. Like, they are called OCCs, or Occupational Character Classes. Yes. There are also RCCs, or Racial Character Classes. Yeah, Radio-Controlled Cars. Yeah, Yeah, Radio-Controlled Cars. Yeah, that's what it's always been. It's Occupational Character Classes and Radio-Controlled Cars. I know this. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. So I got my RCC from Radio Shack. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, and I've been (laughs) playing as a uh, Psy Stalker, which is a Radio-Controlled Car that hunts psychics. (laughs) But the problem with that is it really went into the everything is mega damage all the time because every class has a starting equipment and all of them get a mega damage weapon. Yeah, and mega damage armor. And even the ones who are like, oh, maybe you don't have that. 
usually have powers that then do mega damage. Yes. Yeah, everyone has access to mega damage right off the bat. You could also go buy an Uzi from the 80s if you want, because I forget the exact year this game is set. It's set in, usually it's set around 109 to 180 PA or post-apocalypse. Yeah. uh, Which is an indeterminate time after the Earth cracked sometime in the mid-90s. Uh, well, no, because it was already in the future for that, because we were in the Golden Age. Right, yeah. So it was like 21-something in the U.S., or like 2060 or something. And what brings about the rifts, which, sure, whatever, let's get into the history of that. Fine, we'll take a brief detour into story. Okay, story time, kids. So here's how the rifts come about. It's the midnight... On the winter solstice mm-hmm. or summer solstice, one of the solstices, the so, solstices. Whatever your favorite solstice is. And there is a planetary alignment. Mm-hmm. This is the perfect time for two warring nations to trade nukes. Yes. And let it be known that the world at this point had advanced far beyond what our current world is. There were cool robot power armor suits and all kinds of psychic research going on and cybernetics and Borgs. So there were all these really cool things already happening. And then two nations nuke each other on the vernal equinox or whatever day is the most magical. Whatever, so Whenever Ents have their moot. <laughs> so at that point, the death of all of these people releases a bunch of energy. Mm-hmm. Because every human is just a walking sack of magical energy. Yeah. Now, normally our planet doesn't have a whole lot of magic energy on it, but we have a ley lines that crisscross the planet. And mm-hmm. whenever, wherever they meet... You have a nexus of power. Mm-hmm. And so, humans have traditionally been able to sense that, which is why things like pyramids and the Stonehenge and all that cool stuff is built on ley lines. Yeah, because these are, points. these are points of great power. Yes. So when all of these people die, all of that energy feeds into the ley lines of the world, which brings a bunch of magic back because on these various times, also in the book, if it's midnight or an equinox or a planetary alignment or whatever. Mm-hmm. There's more magic energy. Columbus Day. Yeah. Yeah, that's a big one. <laughs> it's that fire sale for magic that they have. <laughs> yeah, the whole thing happened on Black Friday. It was terrible. <laughs> so one of the most holy of holy days is the day after Thanksgiving. Real pain in the ass for calendar designers since Thanksgiving is one of those holidays that's based on what week it is and not what day in the month it is. <laughs> and I hate those. It's always so hard to remember them. Uh, anyway. So this causes the ley lines to erupt. And the leyline eruption brings a whole bunch of magic, but it also creates a bunch of natural disasters. Mm-hmm. So earthquakes and tidal waves and tornadoes and shenanigans. Tornado Connor albums. <laughs> uh, Bieber tours and all sorts of things. <laughs> I like to think he'll still be touring in 2060. That's, yeah, my, sure. that's my hope. Of course he will. Yeah. <laughs> he, he's our generation's Dick Van Dyke. At that point, his pants will have sagged so much that they will literally be underground. He'll have to have a team running ahead of him and digging a trench for his pants. <laughs> uh, it's like a screamer going in front of him everywhere he goes. Oh my gosh, referencing a movie that no one has seen except for you and me. Yep. So <laughs> so all of those natural disasters kill more people, which feeds more energy, and you just get this feedback loop of more energy, more disasters, more people die, and then enough energy happens where rifts open. Mm-hmm. The titular rifts. Rifts. One of those words that sounds terrible when you say it into a microphone. Rifts. Oh, don't you love that sibilance? Rifts. <laughs> Just doing it on purpose. Yep. So these uh, rifts in reality open up and outpour a bunch of weird shit. So Just- demons and monsters and things from mythology and whatnot. Yeah, everything from mythology comes pouring out. And it all this is and and all in place appropriate areas. Yep. <laughs> so it's not like oh yeah, all the fairies came back, but they showed up in like South America. Oh no, they're in England. Don't oh, yeah, you worry about that. Don't, don't even think about. It. Don't even worry about it. Africa's going to fill up with interesting little bear and, and monkey people. Oh yeah, yeah. you're gonna you're gonna get like bunyips showing up in Australia. Yeah, J- Japan's going to fill up with cyber samurais and robo dragons. <laughs> Don't even worry about it. Mystic Russia fills up with the gods of Russia. And America just gets stuff. America gets all kinds of wacky nonsense. So Unless they... you're a Native American country, and then you get magic for the Native Americans who immediately revert. Ah, oh, one of my favorite things. Ah, uh, yes. Post-apocalyptic games is all the cultures regress to what they were about 300 years ago. Yay. So, yeah. So this just kills more people and so on and so on. This is the apocalypse. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, there's a big dark age, the and then time of troubles. Eventually, like civilization sort of comes back. You have the founding of the coalition states, mm-hmm. which are just they're skull Nazis. Yeah, they're human supremacist skull Nazis. Also, they hate magic and they hate psychics, except for when they don't. Yeah, except for later books when they don't care anymore. But oh, baseline, right, right from the beginning, they're fine with psychics. It's just their psychics they're fine with. Well, they have to be under the boot. Yes. So they hate magic. They hate dimensional beings or DBs, which will show up a lot in this book. Yep. And they hate anything to do with non-humans. Yes. So they are Oh, just, they like skulls. Yeah, and they are super into skulls, which, let me tell you, the best. Yeah, yeah. I love them. They have so many skulls. And spiders and scorpion bits and <laughs> spike robots, but mostly skulls. Mostly skulls, and anything else they have has a different motif, but also skulls. Yeah, like, if you want to see what a coalition robot looks like, imagine a big skull. And then it's got two skulls that it walks around on and two skulls for hands, and its head is a skull made of skulls with a couple of little ear skulls. That's wow, good. it's just sounding really 40K it, in here. It gets very 40K. A uh, gun that shoots you, skulls. If, if you ever wanted to know what a flying transport would look like if it was a big skull dildo, well, boy, howdy, it's in this book. Oh, my gosh. Those things, uh, those, those transports look like pencil carriers with a skull stuck on one end. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay, so the Coalition exists in North America. They, they have taken over mostly kind of the, the top northeast. They, they, They're the Midwest. They're the Midwest. They have Chicago... Uh, they have a lot of states uh, extending down as far as Missouri. And they're, they're mostly sort of Illinois, Arkansas, Missouri. I think they have inroads into Wisconsin and some parts of northern Canada. Uh, but that's the coalition. Oh, and they also have Texas for some reason. They have a lot of Texas. Well, yeah. They have the Lone Star Fort, which has a bunch of uh, like genetic manipulation stuff. Which is where they get dog boys, right. which we'll get into later. Right. Well, let's. This is probably enough story detour. Just let it be known that the the, the uh, North America in particular, because that's the focus of the core Rifts book, has turned into a really cool post apocalyptic wasteland with zones that are full of dinosaurs and other parts that have cool wizards and psychics and stuff, and a bunch of skull Nazis that hate all this other shit and are very insular and terrified. Yeah. So that's that's what's happened. But let's get back to character creation. Let's talk about skills. Okay. So I counted it. Mm-hmm. Uh, as is my favorite thing to do in any of these terrible games with too many skills. Yeah. Do you want to know how many skills there are in just the main book? Can I guess? Okay. Because I didn't count them. I'm going to guess that there's uh, 85. Oh, my sweet summer child, no. Oh. There's 127. Holy goddamn <laughs> hell. <laughs> 127 skills. Now, granted... At least a few of them are weapon proficiency. Uh, weapon proficiency. Like yeah. there's at least a good twenty of those. Right. But they are all their own individual things. Yes, they are. So if I have, say, a weapon proficiency in laser pistol, I do not have a weapon proficiency in laser rifle. Yeah. Now let me just I'm gonna go ahead and say, John, that as a real person, I'm pretty sure the only one you have is a weapon proficiency in blunt. <laughs> <laughs> Blaze it. Smoke trees. <laughs> Uh, you would think we smoked weed for all the jokes we make about it you'd think that and yet at this point really the only thing stopping us is availability and not wanting to (laughs) (laughs) uh so yeah and there are a ton of weapon proficiencies and ones that again will never come up oh yeah like wp heavy artillery and so on yeah you also have like weapon proficiency bow and arrow yeah there's great art in the book of cool dudes with, like, super bows and arrows, which are not detailed in the book. <laughs> yeah, those don't exist. Don't worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> so, in addition to all of these weapon proficiencies, which are basically just you get to use this weapon there's, with a bonus. Yeah, there's a couple of bonuses that pop up over the course of the levels as you gain levels in the game. Yeah, mostly it's just plus to hit or plus to parry if yes. it's an old melee weapon or if you have a weapon that's like a ranged weapon it's it lets you do uh aimed shots which mm-hmm. you can't do without weapon proficiency so it gives you some options and then there are a number of other skills which are very segmented so there'll be things like i think there's basic and advanced math in the core riffs book there's basic and advanced radio operation well yeah there's radio basic and then radio scramble thank you yeah and i love going to denny's and getting that radio scramble it's so good <laughs> It's two in the morning. 
I'm real drunk, and I just want a radio scramble. I'm having a tough time reconciling that with my normal belief that any given Denny's menu item is also a sex move. Oh, yeah. You know, like- I, I go I go to the Denny's, I order the radio scramble, and then I go home and give my woman the radio scramble. Yeah, so I'm used to giving my wife a good old-fashioned super bird or, uh, or a moon's, <laughs> moon's over, over my, my hammy. Yeah, or a senior slam. <laughs> in, in this fantasy, I'm married to an old woman. I'm not even married. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Every time I come home and give my old lady the Denver omelet. <laughs> so, <laughs> so there's all of those, and I mean... There are ones that you would expect in any given game. So in addition to the weapon ones, you've got things like, oh, you can drive a car or... Or a space shuttle. Yeah, you can pilot a plane or you can drive a boat. And there are like five different boats or different skills. Canoe, kayak, and pleasure craft and speedboat and submarine. Oh, yeah. It's just crazy. And this is, again, just the main book. This isn't in the supplements where they go crazy. Just the main book. Yeah. But even in there, you have things like... Oh, what do you have? Uh, cryptography, cooking, dance. Although, let's be fair to, to the supplements here. Very few of the Rift supplements add new skills, and if they do, it's usually just one, and it's o- always associated with some class that automatically has it. So it's not like you buy uh, the next book. You're like, oh, I'll buy Rift's Atlantis. Oh, fuck, 40 more skills? They don't, they don't really do that. Well, I mean, you did get a few in Rift's Atlantis because it's all things like being yeah, able to do bioengineering and shit like that. But even then, the, the bioengineering and the magic tattoos are tied to the bioengineer and magic tattoo guy classes. Yeah, but so, now they're in the game and anyone can get them. That is, well, I, maybe. Well, because There's a lot of skill restrictions. Let's talk about that. Well, the thing is, there are a lot of classes that their skill restriction will be like, all the skills are separated into categories. Yes. So communications has radio basic, radio scramble... And it's got like uh, es- sen- uh, like espionage and listening devices. Yeah. So your communications has a bunch of stuff, and then you have things like physical skills or uh, academic skills, and so on. Can and we so stop on. for just a second and talk about physical skills because they're one of one of the core things to me about what Rifts is all about. Physical skills is things like boxing, uh, climbing, scuba, gymnastics, general athletics, running, swimming. I could probably list them all. Uh, don't i won't but the thing about them that makes them different from most skills in other games is that they give you extra dice that you get to roll for your physical characteristics so for example if you take running as a skill you add 4d4 to your speed yeah now what this means is that the first thing you do out the gate is you recognize that shit like cultural anthropology and uh, game design are useless skills abandon them and take every single physical skill so your character has extra attacks higher strength more agility and runs super fast now the thing with that is, as well, uh, as a character, they give you three different levels of skills for a class. Mm-hmm. You start out and you get your class skills. So they'll tell you the specific ones you get. So it might be, okay, you have uh, mathematics advanced at a plus 20% because this is all percentile. Or maybe you have a uh, like a weapon proficiency or your hand-to-hand. Whatever it happens to be, they tell you, okay. You get these, you don't get to make a choice. You get those at these bonuses. Yes. You then get uh, your other skills, Mm -hmm. and other skills give you a rundown of, in these categories, either it'll say any, or any except, and it'll say, like, these couple of skills you can't pick. Yeah, or just one or two skills. Or it'll say you can pick this or that. Yeah, and then the last category is secondary. And the secondary skills are Like your hobbies. The same restrictions as your other skills, but you don't get bonus percentages. And you can't, in a lot of cases with secondary skills, you can't take physical skills. Or at least you can't take a lot of the really good ones. Well, yeah. There were a few that you had to take as the other skills. Mm -hmm. So the one that everyone wanted access to. Boxing, I think, was the one that gives you an extra attack per melee round. It was the only skill to give you an extra attack. And that's why everyone wanted boxing. It didn't matter, because even if you were like... What are you? Oh, I'm a gunslinger. I just shoot people all day. However, I need to be able to box because it gives me one more attack, even with guns. Yeah, I don't think I ever once ever played a Rift's character that was not a boxer. And I played as a fucking Hydra once. I mean, that (laughs) guy didn't even have arms, and I still took the boxing skill because I was like, I need extra melee attacks. How am I going to do all my breath weapons? Yeah. And so the physical skills, which either give you dice or just straight up like, oh, here's plus two to your physical strength or whatever. Uh, you usually took like a lot of the generic ones as your secondaries. Mm-hmm. 
Because your secondary skills don't get any bonuses. Right. They're not particularly great at but, anything. But specifically what we mean by they don't get any bonuses is that most skills in this game are, use a percentile system. And you have to roll under a percentage in order for your skill to go off. So if you take it as a class skill, it could be like, oh, uh, basic math. You're playing as an operator, which is sort of a mechanic engineer type class. You have basic math at plus 30%. But if you took it as a secondary skill, you'd have your just the base stat plus your IQ, which would be like, oh, 30% plus my IQ bonus of plus 4%. I have a 34% chance to math. Yay. Yay. So that would that would suck. So instead, you take the ones that don't have a percentage skill as oh, yeah. your secondaries whenever your, possible. Your secondary skills was always like uh, general athletics and running and all the shit that was just stat bonuses. Yeah, the so shit that go, was stat bonuses and the weapon proficiencies. Yeah. Anything that you wanted that didn't have a percentage attached to it, mm-hmm. that's what you used your secondary skills on. Yep, yep. Well, we're, we're, we're clearly telling players how to play riffs in the min-maxiest way possible, which is wholly unnecessary because this game is broken from the outset. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> There's no semblance of balance in this game. Now, I in the last afterthought was talking about how if you have a game that wants to be set in an area where you know oh yeah we're all just doing the the street rat uh type thing and yeah i'm a cyber doc and we should probably start talking about the classes at some point here probably <laughs> probably in the next episode uh, we got, we, we'll, we'll make this last <laughs> <laughs> the uh the thing is this game like i had mentioned before hands out mega damage like it's candy to everyone yes it does so even if you are like oh yeah we're playing a low power campaign and we're all just vagabonds and city rats and tramps and gypsies and our stevie nicks songs (laughs) good great (laughs) even then it's still just okay great but you're you're all gonna be running around in mega damage uh armor with mega damage weapons and Anyone who gets in your way, you can just blow them the fuck up. Yeah, what do you know? Every single player is wearing that one suit of mega damage armor that had the right balance of okay MDC and not that much of a mobility penalty. I think it was the Gladiator. The Gladiator, which gave you 50 MDC and no prowl penalty. Woo! Best suit to wear, unless you didn't care about prowl, in which case you probably had some bigger thing than an MDC suit anyway. (laughs) Then you probably went up to the Crusader to get that 70 MD. Yep, yep. And you just avoided the Bushman and the Plastic Man because they were terrible oh no bushman was fine Bush, yeah it's all right no plastic it, was the, man. it was there was one of them that was non-environmental and was like 35 mega damage you yeah, know oh just, sweet i can kill that guy with a smoke grenade yeah and plastic man was just annoying garbage i mean we already had elongated man what we didn't need a new stretchy guy <laughs> really because i think that armor was fantastic mister <laughs> oh, stretchy guys <laughs> Oh, man, I am marveling, Captain, at that joke. I'm sorry, that's Miss Marvel, whatever. <laughs> uh, I miss marveling. I miss marveling. Miss Marvel I miss marveled my joke. That's exactly... Uh, excellent. Excellent comedy work. Trying to remember any other stretchy guys working so hard, Super Scroll. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, yeah, the skills in this are insane and mostly pointless uh oh there's a lot of very pointless skills the because i mean like we said before you're gonna get your weapon proficiencies and whatever you're using you're gonna have speak language which most people have too Mm -hmm. and uh you'll you have to pick literacy as a skill if you want to be able to read or write i think the thing about this game is that most players are going to come out the gate with something like 25 to 30 skills that they have to write down all these percentages for and then they'll never look at again. Oh, yeah. I mean, occasionally, if you are, say, some mechanic or something, and yeah. you're like, oh, I've got uh, robot repair at 38%. Okay, well, great. You'll probably roll that at some point. Yeah. But when you have a bunch of weird, like, I have astronomy at 72%. It's real good. Okay. Does that matter ever? Nope. No, it never will. Probably about as much as this anthropology skill I took. Yeah, it's a good thing I have uh, lore for fairies. That's it. Just fairies. You guys come upon a mighty river. Yay! I have craft ancient boat. Yay! God, the craft skills in this are so dumb. Yeah, they really are. They're very old school. They're they're clearly from an old fantasy line. Oh, yeah, because they're all things like, oh, you can craft bows and arrows, or you can craft blacksmithing and craft a boat. You're like... 
dude, no, stop it. This my, is Rift. My character drives an old Dodge. I, what do you? What do you what, I'm, I'm driving a mega damaged flying motorcycle. I don't care. <laughs> Need to make a bow and arrow. <laughs> what is this? The forest moon of Endor? Let's, let's briefly. Most classes in this game, when they go up a level, and everyone the levels range from one to fifteen, and there's a, there's a unique XP value chart for leveling for every class or race that's just kind of like a class in this game. And uh, the thing is, when you go up a level, here's what you get. Plus four or five percent, dependent on the skill, to every single one of the skills you know. Now, the great thing there is, every skill has its own percentage for what you get when you go up a level. And what it starts at, so you have to write both down. And it's not things like, you'd normally think, oh, percentage-based game... You know, everything's going to start at like, oh, you have a 40% and then you get plus 5% per whatever. Mm -hmm. No, it's, what do you have? I've got Prowl and it starts at 23% and I get 4% per level. And you're like, what the fuck? But I have an IQ of 18, so I have plus 4 to start with that. Yeah, the, the percent values on this are very weird and also means... Anytime you would go up a level, you had to check the percentage for everything. Mm-hmm. You're like, okay, what does this do? Well, well we, always, we always wrote it all down. Oh, yeah. You but, always wrote it down yeah. because you're like, I am not going to check this every time I yeah. go up. I, mean, I already don't care about these. I know. I don't care about these skills, but I'm going to go obsessively do that. Anyway, you get like plus 3 to 5% to every one of the skills you have, and there's a lot. And then you get 1d6 hit points. Woo! Don't forget, you'll never use those hit points, but still, obsessively write that down. Yeah, well, there are a few things that are like, oh, it's a psychic power and it does damage direct to hit points. Which which matters less and less as you get into the further books and every race you, that you can play as just has MDC instead of the HP-SDC combo. Oh, yeah. You get to points where it's like, what is this? Oh, he's a human, but he's mega damage. A true Atlantean is your example of that. A true Atlantean is a human, basically. I mean, he's just a human. But no, he's got like 50 MDC instead of the HP SDC thing. Oh, yeah. Or you get to Wormwood and it's like, what are you? I'm actually just a human except I'm MD. Yeah. Don't even worry about it. I'm a human MD. I'm a doctor. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, yes. Human MD. (laughs) Coming this fall to CBS. Human MD. Eventually they're gonna. I mean, it couldn't be as bad as Dr. Face Hands. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about, right? Uh... Remember that? There was that very brief like one season thing on M- or an NBC or something where it was a doctor and I think he had like a second evil personality and so the the poster for the the show was him holding up his hands like he was scrubbing and there was an evil face on his hands. Huh. I do not know that. That's Dr. Face Hands. There's also Dr. Bloodheart and Dr. Runs in Tight Jeans. Those are the those are how I identify various doctor shows. <laughs> Which one of those is House? None of them. Oh. That's Dr. House. That's that's <laughs> That's House. Yeah. You respect him. Yeah, that's Dr. Limpy. <laughs> oh, the incredible Dr. Limpet. <laughs> All right, let's talk a bit about the uh, the classes that populate the core book, the the original starting world of Rifts. No. And let's hurry, because we literally have three minutes left before we have to start talking about our favorite and least favorite things. <laughs> no, no, we're just going to save that to the next episode. Oh, my God, what are we, we going to talk about then? What do you want to talk about next? For three minutes? Can we talk about alignment systems in this game? Yes, we haven't even gotten through character creation yet. Okay, fine, let's start talking about alignment systems. The alignments in this game are interesting because Symbieta believes fervently enough to put a little argument to his point in every one of his books that there is no such thing as true neutrality. Yeah. He is very much the uh, come-at-me-bro when it comes to this because his little article is anything you do, no matter what, is going to be motivated by something and you can't be true neutral or else you just wouldn't act. You are either being benevolent or you are being self-serving. There is no just acting in accordance with... Which is interesting because it actually calls a a really interesting question about determinism into, into, uh, into question, which is like... Are we doing things because we want to, or are we doing things because we're programmed to? Because if you're just responding to programs, then yes, there's absolutely true neutrality. If you just eat when you're hungry and pee when you have to, you're being pretty true neutral. Well, yeah, but if that's your entire existence, then, you know, that's that's not an adventurer. Sure, well, it could be like a robot. Yeah, it could be a robot. You have been programmed to go on adventures and eat when you are hungry. (laughs) Oh, adventure bot 5000. (laughs) We added in the pee function. Okay, so instead, we, there are uh, two vaguely neutral alignments, uh, three good align no, three evil alignments, and two good alignments. Yeah. And those are principled, which is the paladin alignment. 
And yeah, uh, the way it's that, the I never lie. Yeah, uh, I'll never hurt anyone. They'll never I run around uh, and hurt you. Yeah, and, and they'll they'll never tell a lie. I don't believe they'll ever make you cry. Yeah, all of these are true. Yeah, and I don't believe they'll ever say goodbye, which is weird. It's real weird. I mean, eventually they're going to have to walk away from someone. Eventually, yeah. No, yeah, uh, they can't even turn around. This joke is terrible. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'll cut some of this. <laughs> I'm sorry. So there's principled, and then the other good alignment, which is uh, scrupulous. Yeah, and scrupulous is... It's the one that everyone takes. It's your general neutral good. Yeah. It's, I like to do good things. Mm -hmm. I'm generally nice. I'll lie if I have to. I have a nice car. (laughs) I'm popular. I'm sorry. I forgot that wasn't funny. That wasn't funny for the first time. It's not funny then. It's not funny now. Uh, you get into the selfish ones, which are unprincipled, mm-hmm. which is just Han Solo. Mm-hmm. You care about cash and you have a heart of gold, but you're mostly a bit of a scoundrel. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have anarchist mm-hmm. and anarchist is, uh, you only care about yourself. You're super selfish. Anything you do is just to keep yourself alive or to get something for yourself. Yeah, unfortunately, you can't always get what you want. What's wrong? I hate, I hate, <laughs> hate, I hate. No, please, go on and tell me all about Miscreant. So, <laughs> Miscreant is the alignment of just being a jackass. Mm-hmm. It's the uh, generic, like, street punk who goes around and he like gets into fights and he doesn't care about anything and he's just it's basically asshole the alignment like yes. you don't have a plan for doing anything and you're kind of selfish but you're mostly just a dick it's your bebops and or rock steadies yeah it is the standard 80s cartoon street thug yes that's what it is yeah like why are you even doing that why why are you do, why are you spray painting those windows ah cuz i'm a bad guy uh, i'm generically bad without being like boss level bad yeah like they they're the sort of person who will do bad stuff even though there's nothing in the in it for them to do for doing that oh yeah they'll be like oh we need to go like be an asshole and burn down this building okay why i don't know how does this benefit you uh i'm evil and stuff Eh? i guess but it's it's still a more self-preservation-y so they're like oh i'm kind of an asshole but i'm not like ha evil i'm more just like i'm a dick evil right and then we've got uh is it aberrant aberrant which is the lawful evil of this game yeah, it is your your Darth Vader's who are like, oh, I have a code, but I'm still evil. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they have a code of many colors. <laughs> Good. There's black and dark red and even darker red and purple. And blacker. <laughs> and blacker. <laughs> uh, and then there's the last one, which I am blanking on. Uh, it's something horrible. Yeah, it is uh, chaotic evil. It's, it's basically <laughs> chaotic evil, but man. Oh, uh, diabolic, that's it. When I was saying before that you're not... Bwahaha evil. Diabolic is the Bwahaha evil alignment. Yeah, it's like the guys who made the the uh, human centipede movies. Yeah, not the not the villains of them. <laughs> no, no, no. It's uh, it's oh, fuck. I, I was about to say Nikki Six. Tom and that, Six. Yeah, yeah it is not Nikki Six. <laughs> Nikki he did not Six, make those. Creator of <laughs> man, I got the two people in the history of ever who for some reason are both famous with the last name Six confused. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it's, it's the alignment where it's, oh, you're basically the Joker. You're out there just being evil to be evil. You don't really care, but you also have like, oh, I'm all about murdering everything. I, I just round up babies and toss them in rivers cause I'm evil. Yeah. That's, and you have a plan. You have a plan to be evil in the future. Oh yeah. It's not like, oh, I'm, I'm just breaking windows because I'm a ruffie, and you're like, oh, no, I'm breaking windows so that I can then go into that house and murder everyone. All right. Well, I'm already extending this episode into being a slightly longer than average episode, and I'm fairly certain, given that we haven't discussed races or classes or how combat works uh, at all, that we're definitely going to be doing a second episode. There was no doubt in my mind that we were going to do a second episode on Rifts. Okay, fair enough. So just so you know, everyone, uh, guess what? Next episode will also be Rifts. But before we leave, I also want to talk about how this game has long codified insanity. It really has, and it turned it into what Palladium is, which is charts. 
Yep, it's just charts. And they've gotten better over the years. Like, just for historical accuracy, this never showed up in a Riffs book, but it was in the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. You could roll on, on what kind of insane you were and get gay. Yep. Thankfully, that has been removed entirely. Yeah, they don't even have... Because they have a bunch of tables, of course. There's mm-hmm. all these charts. One of them you can roll on is having an obsession. Mm-hmm. One of them is a, a phobia. Thankfully, they didn't put in, like, oh, homos for your phobia. And they also didn't put in, uh, like, the same sex or opposite sex as an obsession. Well, it's it's just obsession, opposite, or same sex is one of the line items on the chart. Yeah. It, so, it's, hey, it's equal opportunity crazy. Yeah, they're... Okay, you might be like sex crazed, mm-hmm. but you can't be like, oh, I went insane and become gay. Right. So they thankfully removed that. That is a very historical footnote. And so I just want to be fair to the company because, again, I love this game. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, anytime you see a change happen in the Palladium system at all, mm-hmm. you're like, wow, okay, that took a lot. Mm-hmm. And someone if, dragged that out of him. Yeah. And so if he was willing to go ahead and say, all right, let's. <laughs> Let's not make homosexuality an insanity. You know what? Great. But if you've been play- if you've been playing Palladium for a long time, you already know all these insanities because they're weird. They're very specific. You can roll various schizophrenias. You can roll multiple personality. Your character can have up to six with a little die chart that explains how you roll to see which personality is currently dominant. You can have your false power generation, where you can only get powerful or use your character's abilities if you do a trigger. So, like, you could, I have to eat a bunch of Twinkies, and then I'm powerful. Well, yeah, but that's all, like, crazy chart shit. No, it's just a regular, well, yeah, because the this game's insanity system, at least in the version I was reading, because I was reading the up, most up-to-date uh, Rift's Ultimate Edition, and I think you were reading vanilla original. Yeah, the old OG soft cover Rift. Yeah, my copy of that is in my garage, and I didn't want to go digging for it, so I brought out my good one. Uh, my new one, which which has some extra classes. Oh, no, just one. An and extra it, class and a, and a few changes to things. Yes. But uh, the insanity section in this book is right next to the crazy section with your chances for various things. But you can get that, that I'm crazy and I need to eat food if you have an insanity for any reason. See, and I don't know that it has it in the main, like, old book. Because most of those were like, you get an obsession, you get a phobia, mm-hmm. you get a neuroses, mm-hmm. you get a... Uh, Chocolate milk. You get yeah, a, you get a chocolate milk. Yeah. Oddly enough, they put some things in there which are just like chemical problems. Like they manic depression is in there, and I go, you know, you don't, you don't generally like get manic depression because something weird happened to you. Like <laughs> well, that's you, not a thing that happens. Well, okay, but what if the weird thing that happened to you is someone put a chip in your brain, or you saw a crazy monster bug? <laughs> no, <laughs> I mean, those I'm pretty are, sure if I saw a crazy monster bug, I wouldn't get manic depression (laughs) would you lose it i hope so man if seeing a crazy monster bug meant i lost my manic depression that would be amazing (laughs) i I would set up an entire business where i'd be like look i got this crazy monster bug it's in the next room i'm I'm picturing i gotta tell you here i'm picturing a bug that's not even like an actual giant monster but it's just like one of those fucking palmetto bugs from florida oh yeah it's just it's only like three (laughs) inches long but it's still like fuck that thing's crazy oh yeah you walk into a room and you see a fucking weird bug and you're like ah oh hey hey oh my gosh i don't want to eat pringles and and stay inside (laughs) oh man i don't i don't want to be in this bathrobe and just watch princess bride for the next week What, you're inviting me to go somewhere? Yes. Yes, I'll go there. (laughs) I would like to do that. I'm not going to make up a bullshit excuse. (laughs) I'm not going to weigh the difference between a $5 foot or a pizza from Little Caesars or a $4 frozen pizza and then pay $5 to have uh, Amazon deliver it to me. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Oh, I feel like we're teetering on the edge of making fun of people with depression. (laughs) It's okay. I have it, and it's true. Everything we've just said is true. <laughs> All right, very good. So, John, uh, I don't even know, since we, we are guaranteed to do a first and second episode of Riffs, do you want to go ahead and get into the favorite and least favorite things real quick? We can, uh, we can just do it twice. Well, we'll do from what we've talked about so far. Let's just go into skills and character creation, best and worst there. Okay, sure. Why don't you give us a start? What's your favorite thing from skills and character creation in Rifts? I I actually like the... The exploding die thing is such an interesting mechanic to me mm-hmm. because it's very indicative of rifts. It is oh, a mechanic yeah. that's not good, but it is very rifts. 
Because the whole idea of rifts is everything is larger than life and everything is super crazy and powerful and, and all of this shit is going down. You have mega damage. And so the idea that you would roll your stats and then just have that chance to get, oh, I, I rolled an 18 and then a 6 and a and a 6 and I'm fucking, I'm amazing. Oh, look at me go. You're like, okay. My first human character in Rifts had a 27 in one of his stats. Well, the best is when you get that and it's like, what did you get? I'm at a 27 in physical beauty. And mine was in mental affinity. Of course it was. That was the story. I was just about to go into that and be like, yeah, my first character in Rifts had a 27 mental affinity. And I was like, I got to build some kind of social monster character class. What's that in this game? And my DM was like, that's not a thing. That doesn't exist. Yeah. You make a robot combat pilot or a glitter boy or something. <laughs> Sorry, there's no bard. Yeah. Don't worry about it. <laughs> just enjoy the fact that you have a weird chance to char- to impress people, which I will never bother remembering to let you roll. Yep. And, uh, you know, I'll at least say this for the charm seduction. It doesn't say anywhere that it's only for members of the opposite sex. I know. I, I didn't bring it up because this book passes that test. Yep. If you <laughs> want to seduce people of the same sex, fine. The reason it passes that test is it does not explain it. That's all I want. Whenever you hear me complaining about the this seduce power, this works on members of the opposite sex, all I want for parody is for them to just take the opposite sex out of the sentence. Seduce. You can use this to seduce people. Done. Yay. You're done. You got it done. You saved some words. <laughs> Uh, and if that if there's one thing that Rifts is worried about, it is definitely page count. Right. I, I'm going to go ahead and say one of my favorite things. I'm going to be a little ironic about this. I'm, go, I'm looking back at this with my like hipster adult glasses <laughs> in my childhood and say that one of my favorite things, at least in this section of the book that we've read, is how Symbieta, as an author, cannot stop putting little blog entries on the pages of his books. Oh, that's true. And it's one of my favorite things. Whenever I flip a page and I'm like... Here's Kevin Symbieta pointing out that C.J. Carella wrote this section and then taking credit for the idea anyway. Huh. That's my favorite thing in these. It's him going like, hey, this section was written by my awesome author, Kevin Long, but it's entirely inspired by ideas I had when Kevin was in the bathroom. Anyway, I like to think of this as my section. Kevin's really not all that important to me. The important thing about riffs is me. Ah, uh, yes. There's a lot of those. <laughs> there's, there's one like every five pages. It's so good. So, that's one of my favorite things. What would you say is your least favorite thing about the skills and character creation section of Rifts? Well, it's obviously 127 skills. Mm -hmm. It is my pet peeve, Mm -hmm. is too many skills, and this goes way overboard on it. And it's not just that there's too many, it's that it's so many skills and so many obvious right ones to pick. Mm -hmm. So, it's just, the skill system in this is... And I mean, we'll get into combat later, which is also just a clusterfuck, but the skills is probably the weakest thing in Palladium to me. Right. And I'm going to say that in 75 to 80% of the cases in this game, leveling up does not matter. And that drives me nuts. Yeah. Like there are a few classes where it's like, oh, this does extra damage every level of experience. So if it's your core attack, you need to level up to get it. Or because, uh, for example, in this game, we didn't talk about the magic system in the slightest. Uh, you can cast any spell of any level if you have the PPE to cast it. You don't, the levels are just there for organizational purposes. Yeah, unless you are one of the couple specific classes that have to level up to get them. Right. So, uh, like, if you're a leyline walker, then you're the generic wizard of this game, and you can you can cast any spell that you know. Don't worry about the level. If you're a mystic, then you're like, all right, I'm level four. I learned a level two spell, and you have to go that way. Uh, but for the most part, in, in 90% of the non-magic, non-psychic classes, leveling does nothing. You get some skill bonus percentages you don't give a shit about, you get some hit points you don't give a shit about, and then you start counting again. And if you're me and you're playing like a like a little wizard or a uh, gunslinger type, you took the acrobatic skill knowing that the every time you complete a skill in this game, you get 25 XP, so that every time you do anything, you backflip there and back. Oh, yeah. And it's... You do a skill whether successful or not. So yeah. you don't even need to actually do your skill as long as every time the GM looks at you, you go, I backflip. Yeah, I backflip. Like, not even asks you anything. Just as soon as he makes eye contact, you're like, backflip. I backflip. Back and you just roll dice before he gets to yeah, say anything. I backflip in and out of the bar. That was a running joke at my table with my DM going 25 XP every time I backflip. <laughs> it was just a regular thing. Because he knew as well as I did that it didn't matter if my character leveled up. Oh, yeah. You'd be like, oh, yeah, I, I'm level 5 and you chumps are level 4. Oh, yeah, I got 4% more on my skills, buddy. I'm, I'm so happy about this. I think I'll backflip. <laughs> <laughs> Might as well backflip. Would you play Rifts? 
obviously. I will play rifts anytime, anywhere. <laughs> I would play rifts with anyone. I I'd would pl- play rifts on a boat. I would play rifts with a goat. Yeah, I would play rifts with a bo- in a box. I would play rifts with a fox. <laughs> and there you go. Now, we're going to have to make two sets of characters for this, you know. Yep. We're going to have to make two different Rifts characters, but I think we'll come oh, up with darn. Some, I think we'll come up with some kind of twist for the second exp- episode so that we can make weirder Rifts characters. But just so you know, stick around for the bonus content. If you're one of our Patreon subscribers, you can find our bonus content over on Patreon, and we will be making Rifts characters using the core book. Oh, yeah. Just core characters this time. I think in the second episode, we'll go nuts and open it up to whatever books we own. <laughs> and I own most. <laughs> I own all. I don't own all. I stopped collecting them a long time ago, and they still, they're still they still coming out. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> there's so many books. <laughs> Every time I go to a well-stocked nerd store, I'm like, holy shit, there's more of these? What the fuck? Rifts World Book 32? Yeah. What is happening? <laughs> Wait, Dubuque? That's <laughs> these are getting real specific. <laughs> Wait, Rifts my house? <laughs> Rifts Target? <laughs> uh. All right, so there you go. We both play Rifts. So let's get into the end of this thing. Thank you so much for listening to the System Mastery Podcast. You can find us at systemmasterypodcast.com or on Facebook, Gmail, or Twitter as, fa- as System Mastery. As Facebook. As Facebook. <laughs> We've, we, I'm Mark Zuckerberg. John here is the Winklevoss twins. Oh, <laughs> uh, good. I hired them later out of pity and combined them into a single fat guy. <laughs> I'm just Tom from MySpace. <laughs> I'm everybody's friend 15 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> All right. No. Okay. So you can find us at systemmasterypodcast.com or System Mastery on Facebook, Gmail, or Twitter. Send us your messages, requests for role-playing games, questions for afterthought, movie mastery suggestions. All that stuff can be done through there. Find us on iTunes and Stitcher. And if you do, rate and review because the more five-star reviews we get, the more people find out about us. And that's great. I love watching those numbers go up. Also, support us on Patreon. If you do that, you get our bonus content. We do one every time we do a System Mastery. You get to hear us making characters in the engine that we just reviewed. Uh, We also are going to start putting new stuff on that bonus content pretty soon here. I think we've got a big secret one that's in the works. Yeah, all up in that works. Yep, so more bonus content coming for all of our subscribers. Thank you so much for listening and for supporting us. And I'll see you in two weeks with more Rifts. And so will John. Nah. If he's into it. Yeah.